0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again this week. So glad you're listening in. I got a great one for you today. And I'm excited to give it to you. We just finished a revive conference here at Abundant Life Church, which I was a part of. And one of the morning sessions, we did a question and answer session with the leaders, all of the youth leaders that had come to the conference. And I was surprised we'd gotten, uh, you know, a few questions on fasting and prayer, which I was happy about because obviously that shows that people are hungry to see God move in their life, hungry to see God uh, manifest His supernatural power, and that people are going after the things of God and the calling that's upon their life. So we had some questions come in while we were there on fasting and prayer, uh, which got me thinking once again on the subject of fasting, and I wanted to come today, as you saw in the title, I want to do a a podcast today on uh, five myths about fasting. We're going to bust five myths myths about fasting today on this podcast episode. I want to take a second before we start and say if you're enjoying this, if you're liking it, uh, I want I want you to share it with somebody. Why don't you screenshot it uh, on your phone as you're listening and if you don't mind, pop it up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you have, tag us in it, let us know you're enjoying the podcast, but share it with somebody and uh, I know that they'll be blessed Uh, by the truth that we're releasing every single week right here on the podcast. So let's jump in today, uh, busting five myths about fasting, busting five myths about fasting. The very first one that I want to deal with is this myth right here. New Testament believers don't have to fast. Let me say it again. Myth number one, New Testament believers do not have to fast. Or people believe fasting is optional. Fasting is optional for the New Testament believer. That is myth number one, and we're gonna bust it right now with the word of God in Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter two. And I wanna read you just three verses of scripture, verses 18 through 20. uh, There's a question here to Jesus, and he answers it clearly. Uh, Verse 18, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Verse 19, and Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. He's talking about himself here. Verse 20, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast, and then they will fast. So Jesus is saying, while I'm still here with my disciples, they're not in a time of fasting and prayer right now, but I'm gonna leave the earth, and when I leave the earth and the New Testament church is formed, then my disciples, my followers, those that love me, they will fast. So you can see here clearly, That fasting was an expectation of Jesus for his followers. Without question, Jesus expected his followers to fast. I want you to jump over to Matthew chapter six. And in this sixth chapter of the gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches about three subjects in one chapter. He teaches about giving and he teaches about prayer and he teaches about fasting and then uh, we group those together because prayer and fasting always go together fasting by itself i've said this many times fasting by itself is just starving fasting without prayer is just a hunger strike fasting without prayer is useless so if you're going to fast pray while you're fasting but jesus teaches about giving he teaches about fasting and prayer and he teaches about money and possessions so in this section here where jesus is teaching it's very interesting uh how he what ter- what terms and what terminology he uses when he is teaching Matthew 6 and verse 5 Jesus said when you pray don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them so notice Jesus did not say if you pray he said when you pray which means that prayer is also something Jesus expects of his followers. prayer is not optional uh, we, we move on down. Uh, and, and continue to look at what Jesus is saying he said don't babble like the Gentiles do they think their prayers are answered because they're repeating their words you know over and over again so he's telling them to do it in a in a way that is uh not to be seen by men but to be seen by God in fact he goes on to say that when you're praying don't make it known to everybody go behind closed doors shut the door and pray to your to your father in secret and and when what he sees you do in secret he will reward openly that's matthew 6 6 but jump on down verse 16 the bible says and when you fast don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting i tell you the truth that's the only fasting and or the only reward they'll ever get But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. That's verse 18. So verses 16 through 18 of Matthew 6 shows us that Jesus' expectation for his children, his followers, his people, was that they would be people who fast and pray, So busting this first myth about fasting, it is not optional. Christians do not get to choose whether they fast and pray. Jesus, from his word, expects every Christian, every child of God to have times throughout their year where they're fasting without question. And we should be praying every day. I mean, prayer is a daily discipline. You should not go a day Without talking to Jesus, but fasting, which is a supplement to prayer, is something that should be done uh, throughout your entire year. In fact, if you study the early church going back all the way to the beginning, they fasted one day a week. And in some instances, they fasted two days a week because Jesus said to them, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the early church understood the Pharisees fasted one day a week. So some historical documents tell us that believers fasted two days a week. So they used it as a time where they would keep in front of their eyes the expectations of Jesus that we would fast and pray. Now, many people take you know, the beginning of the year, now that it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent in the church, people are taking the beginning of the year, maybe 21 days, you know, a week, whatever people do, to fast and pray in January. And that's great. I commend every person who does that. I pray that you continue to do it for the rest of your life. But don't let January be the only time in your year that you fast and pray. In fact, take time every month to spend some time fasting and prayer. In fact, Think about this. If you only took three days a month, you know, you took one week and did Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for one of the weeks of your month. If you did that every month, do you realize that you would have given God a tithe of your year in fasting? 36 days out of the 365, you would have given God a tithe of your year in fasting and prayer. I think that would be a great thing for every believer to set as a goal, and three days a month is not a difficult goal. Everybody could do that. But busting myth number one, fasting is not optional. Fasting for the New Testament believer is something that was an expectation of Jesus Christ for his followers. Number two, The second myth about fasting that we have to bust is this. Fasting is placing faith in works instead of in the finished work of Christ. Let me read that again. Second myth about fasting. Fasting is placing faith in works instead of the finished work of Christ in his redemptive act. That is a myth. You In this hyper-grace, Society that we're living in now, where nobody wants to be responsible to obey the word of God. People don't want to be responsible uh, to do exactly what Jesus expects of them, and they want to just kind of duck out uh, from 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 God's expectations and still expect the blessings of God to fall on them, even though they won't adhere to His word. It's just not scriptural. In fact, fasting is not. Uh, placing faith in works over Christ, it's placing faith in Christ because Christ is the one who commanded it. Christ, he first of all, Jesus did it by example. Jesus was a man of fasting and prayer. And then Jesus told his disciples and his followers that uh, when I leave here, you will fast. And when you fast, don't do it like the hypocrites. Do it in secret so God can reward you openly. So Christ not only fasted himself, he also commanded his disciples to do it and gave them instructions as to how to do it. He's not going to give them instructions to do something that negates what he did or was going to do on the cross and through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus is not that foolish that he's going to do that. He's eternally wise. And he understood that there's power in fasting and prayer, which is why he did it in his life. And so Jesus... He he understood the, the importance of fasting and prayer, and that's why he had the expectation for his disciples and followers and Christians to do it as well. In fact, we have to talk about this quickly. In this hyper-grace generation, any time you talk about doing something for God in dedication, people scream works, works, works. Well, that sounds like works to me, brother sounds like you're getting into works to me, but God's not, He, you know, we're saved by faith. You know, yes, we are saved uh, by grace through faith. No question about that. But once you get saved, let me say this loud and clear. Once you get saved, God expects some works from your life. You don't get saved through works, but once you are saved, God expects some works The book of James, the entire book of James is written about the works of the believer. God expects works of righteousness. He he expects you to show your faith by your works. Anybody that's saved, their life shouldn't look the same as someone that's unsaved. There should be decisions that you're making and taking that clearly set you apart from those who do not have Jesus. So To have this uh, mindset that when you fast and pray, you're putting more faith in works than in what Jesus did is foolish because Jesus is the one who first, by his own example, fasted and prayed and then commanded fasting and prayer. The apostles continued in fasting and prayer. So did the early church. So did Paul. Paul said in the New Testament that he was in fastings often. So this is not something that we're doing as a religious exercise uh, and overlooking the precious work of redemption by Jesus Christ. No, this is something that was commanded by Christ uh, that was uh, that was modeled by Christ and the apostles and the early church and still holds value today. Fasting and prayer is not works. It is uh, obedience to the mighty word of God. So it sounds like works to me, brother. I hear that. I can't tell you how many times I hear that. Going around the country, it's like every time you preach on fasting and prayer and how believers need to be dedicated to live holy and fast and pray, sounds like works to me, brother. Be honest with you, I think you've missed on the message of grace. No, this is obedience to the mighty word of God. In fact, let me just read a scripture to you that'll open up your eyes to how Jesus thinks. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, 14. Verse 21, Jesus said, he who has my commandments and obeys them, it is he who loves me. And my father will love him and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus teaches clearly to his disciples that the people who truly love him are those that obey his word. So we start to realize that when we see something in God's word, it's not optional, number one. And number two, if God commanded it, if God expects it, then our faith or trust is not misplaced. Say, well, Jesus accomplished everything we need on the cross. Yes, but we have to take hold of it by faith. And one of the things that we do is the discipline of fasting and prayer. And as we obey those commands of God, things begin to turn around without question, without question. Number three, let's bust the third myth about fasting and prayer. The third myth myth is if you've ever heard somebody say this, you may not have heard it. I've heard it. People say, well, you know, I don't take actual times of fasting and prayer. I don't actually fast, you know, throughout my, my year. What I do is I live a fasted life. I live a fasted life. And when you really delve into what they're talking about, if you listen to them talk, they're talking about not, uh, indulging too much in eating, So if you study out what people say about this whole fasted life concept is, well, you know, I don't go back for seconds at dinner. I don't overeat. You know, I live a fasted life. I push the plate away. I eat just enough uh, to fill me up, but I don't overeat. I don't overdo it. I don't let food control my life. So I live a fasted life. You won't find that in the Bible. In fact, can I tell you this? The same God who commanded fasting is the same God who commanded feasting. There were feast days throughout the scripture. There were times that they were not only to fast, there were times they were to celebrate and feast and eat and be merry. God commanded that. God didn't say, well, you know, it it is the feast days, but I don't want you really feasting. I I just want you to eat just enough to get by and then push the plate away because you need to live a fasted life. That's foolishness. That's not modeled anywhere in the scripture, and it's not what God's expecting or looking for from his children. Well, brother, I live a fasted life. A fasted life truly, if you're going to live a truly biblical fasted life, that means that throughout your year, you're going to be spending times in fasting and prayer. You'll be spending time in actual fasting and in actual prayer not pushing the plate away after, you know, just one hamburger. Well, I don't, you know, I didn't want to eat two hamburgers, you know, because I live a fasted life. That's just called wisdom. <laughs> Maybe don't have two steaks at dinner ever. <laughs> just use wisdom. No, that's not a fasted life. A fasted life is taking <laughs> times throughout your entire year to fast and pray. And we need to do that. So number 3, don't overeat, live a fasted life. That's a myth. That's not something found in the scripture. We need to take scheduled time to set ourselves apart and fast and pray. Let me uh, let me say with number four, we're going to jump into number four right now. Uh, the fourth myth about fasting that we're going to bust is when you hear people say stuff like this. Well, brother, you know, I fast things other than food. I You know, I don't fast food necessarily because, you know, I fast things like social media. I fast social media. uh, I fast video games. I fast entertainment. I'm doing an entertainment fast, brother. I'm quitting Netflix. I'm quitting Hulu. I'm jumping off social media. And I'm I'm not saying those things aren't good. Yes, they're good. In fact, can I tell you that when you're actually fasting and praying, and and by the way, a biblical fast is when you don't eat food. A biblical fast is, is when you don't eat food. <laughs> I'll just give you a note. I'm not, I don't want to be super, um, I'm not trying to be legalistic about fasting or anything like that, but I, I want to just point out something that's funny to me. It, it's funny how of all of the different places in the scripture, there's so many references to people fasting in the scripture. It's funny how every believer always pulls out the Daniel fast. It's so funny to me that there's, I mean, you could go into every person in the Bible that fasted and how long they fasted. You know, they didn't eat for many days or for three days or for a week or whatever it might be, but people always choose to do the Daniel fast. Do you know, Daniel is the only one in the whole Bible that ever did that fast. And that fast was never commanded to any other person. In fact, Daniel chose to do it. He chose to do that. Any other time where God commanded people in in scripture to fast and pray, they did not eat. There were times when people in the Bible went on total fasts where they not only didn't eat, they didn't drink anything. So every other place in the Bible that fasting is commanded or prescribed, there was no food eaten. But it's funny because we want we want to get out of this this uh, uh, discipline of fasting. Well, brother, I'm going to have the Daniel fast, and then people you see their posts at the beginning of the year they're doing a 21 day Daniel fast. They're eating like six bags of Tostitos chips and you know Caesar salads. You know, it's like crazy. People, you can eat just as much food on a Daniel fast as you would when you weren't fasting. Do what the Bible teaches. I'm encouraging you today because, see, this is important. I'm going to get to that at the end. It's so vital that we have a group of people on the earth today that are hungry enough for God that they'll push the plate away and that they will fast and truly pray and ask God to, once again, touch this generation by the power of his spirit. And so the people say, I fast other things. I fast social media. I fast games. I fast TV and entertainment. Let me tell you, if that was an actual fast— Everybody in the Bible would have been on that fast for their entire life because there was no social media, no video games, and no Netflix. That's not what fasting is. Those things should be done. I'm not saying that you should still be, you know, because here's here's the problem. You get people that go on to a fast and and they say, well, I'm going to fast for seven days. But then like, because they don't want to be on the fast, they just sleep as much as possible or, you know, they don't focus on what they should be doing, which is prayer, and reading the word of God, prayer and reading the word of God. So what they do, they sleep the day away if they as much as they can. You know, they, they just binge watch shows so that they can get the time to pass. So they can get back to eating again. You might as well just eat, just eat. And in fact, if you're going to fast and not pray, just eat. I heard Bishop Oyedepo say one time. He said, if you're fasting as a believer and you're not praying at least one hour a day, then just eat something because you're not taking the time of fasting and prayer seriously. If you're going to spend an entire day taking in no food so that you can pray for 5 minutes, then just eat because you're not really seeking the face of God. If you're going to do this thing, then you know, I would rather people here here's just a suggestion. I would rather that people Instead of going 21 days of fasting and prayer, and then, you know, you're there taking every day, maybe praying for 10 to 15 minutes, you know, reading like two chapters in the Bible. I would rather people just do a seven day fast, you know, and like literally seek the face of God, pray an hour, two hours a day, pray, read significant portions of scripture and ask God to open the eyes of your understanding. You know, seek God. If you're going to seek God, then seek him. If you're going to go after him, then go after him, you know, and, and I don't disagree that when you're in, the, in a time of fasting and prayer that you shouldn't cut back on social media, cut back on entertainment, cut back on, you know, other things that take the place of God's presence in our lives. I don't disagree. You should cut back from that, but that's just the side note you're, you're seeking. It's not about what you're cutting out. It's about what you're seeking and adding. What you're adding is significant times of prayer. What you're adding is significant times of reading the word and going after the presence of God as you're fasting. But biblical fasting is not eating food. Not It's what Jesus did. It's what Moses did. It's what Elijah did. It's what Joshua did. It's what David did. So many people throughout the scripture, Esther, they did not eat. At, at times, the entire nation would fast. Armies would, would fast. So, If we do things, we have to do it the Bible way. And and I want to encourage you to do this and take a step of faith. See, because, let me say this, because we're going to get into number five, and number five will kind of explain this a little bit. But the reason that I don't do the Daniel fast, there's a couple reasons. Number one, the number one reason is that in the Bible, it was never commanded for anybody to do that. In fact, Daniel even was not commanded to do the Daniel fast. He chose to do it. And it wasn't called the Daniel fast. He was just named Daniel (laughs) and fasted. We call it that because people model what he did. But understand, every other place in the Bible, you see a total fast. And so that's what we model is what what God commanded his people to do throughout the scripture. But then also, secondly, uh, one of the things that takes place, and and I'm going to deal with this in number five, when you fast, it's telling your flesh to shut up. It's telling your flesh to get, you know, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, on a daily basis, I have to put my flesh under. He said, if I don't, I can preach to other people for the rest of my life and at the end of my life become disqualified by God because I didn't discipline my flesh, my carnal nature. So one of the things fasting does for you is it weakens your flesh And makes you sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Tells your flesh to shut up. Your flesh will not be in control of you. You don't. It doesn't get to indulge in its pleasures. You're telling it you're not number one. My spirit is number one, and you will obey the things of the spirit. When you're on a Daniel fast, your body still gets all the calories uh, that you could get, even when you weren't fasting. You can still eat. You know? Did you know you can still eat three thousand calories a day on a Daniel fast and not break the fast? You know, you can, you can do that. It's possible. And it's not the same. I promise you. I've done both many times and it's not the same. So that's why I'm encouraging. You. And then number three, the third reason that I don't really uh, do a Daniel fast uh, is not just because it's w- what what if God commanded his word is, is always a total fast. And uh, number two, um, uh, what, what I just got done telling you about is, is the fact that, uh, you know, it, it kills the flesh. But number three, it makes fasting harder. And I'm going to tell you why. Anybody that's ever done a, a Daniel fast versus a total fast, when you do a Daniel fast, your hunger never leaves you. You're hungry for the whole 21 days. You're hungry and you can never eat the things you want. It's like you're taking in calories, but you're always like are wishing you could be eating a burger or something else, you know, whereas on a total fast, it actually becomes easier. People think it's harder. There comes a time where your, your hunger just, it subsides. You know, for that first three days or so, you might be hungry and your your stomach may be growling. But there comes a time when your extended fast that, uh, and you can ask anybody that's done it for an extended period of time that your hunger pangs subside. You're not starving all the time. In fact, my cousin and I were talking about this one time about how you know if you're gonna do if you're gonna do t- ten days, fourteen days, you might as well do twenty one, might as well do thirty, because it comes a place where you're not struggling to get through it. It's actually a wonderful thing. Your spirit comes alive. Your flesh is quieted and your spirit comes alive. And it's times of refreshing. But that's why I wanted to cover myth number five. And myth number five is this. All fasting does is weaken your flesh, making you more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. There are people that say, you know, well, fasting, all fasting does is weaken your flesh. That's all, that's its only purpose. It just makes you more sensitive to the spirit. That is not scriptural. That is not scriptural. That all fasting does is weaken your flesh. No, fasting carries supernatural benefits. And I'm just going to cover five of them for you. But fasting carries supernatural benefits. I'll be reading these to you from Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, verses uh, six through nine. The Bible says, God speaking here through the prophet Isaiah, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke, let the oppressed go free? But I want you to jump down and look at this. Look at the benefits. Verse eight, the first benefit of fasting and prayer. Number one, then shall your light break forth like the morning or the dawn, the ESV says. Then your light. When you fast and pray, you're light. Anywhere you read in scripture, light speaks of revelation knowledge. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Let the eyes of their understanding become enlightened. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119 in verse 130, the entrance of your words brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Light in the scripture speaks of revelation knowledge. So God said when you fast and pray, your light will break forth like the morning. You gain supernatural revelation of God's word when you fast and pray. When you take time to dedicate yourself to the presence of God, a spirit of wisdom and revelation is unlocked in your life and you begin to see things supernaturally in the scripture that you've never ever seen before. So number one benefit that comes from fasting and prayer, your light breaks forth like the morning. You begin to see what you've never seen. A spirit of wisdom and revelation is loosed in your life and you have revelation knowledge of God's word. Number two, he says, and your healing shall spring forth speedily. So the second benefit of fasting and prayer is that supernatural healing is loosed into your body. In fact, this is one of the ways to receive healing from God. We know that there are other ways you can have hands laid upon you. You can be anointed with oil. You can have a prayer cloth laid upon you, like Acts chapter nineteen. The spoken word can be spoken over you, and you can receive. You know, uh, we we can use all those points of contact. But one thing God said here is when you fast and pray, your your healing or your health will spring forth speedily. A quick healing touch comes upon your body. Through times of fasting and prayer. In fact, did you know doctors have already found out? And there's there's all kinds. I don't have to tell you this. There's all kinds of uh, of research that you can go and read on the internet uh, about extended fasting and, and its benefits for your body. Just the fast itself carries benefits for your physical body, and uh, it's amazing what they've found that fasting does for your your uh, digestive system, your organs, all of that. I mean, that's just the natural effects, but then God said, I will give you supernatural effects on top of that, and your healing will spring forth speedily. Number three, the third thing that takes place when you fast and pray, the Bible says, and your righteousness will go before you. Your righteousness will go before you. In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says, the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is, he's the one. So when you fast and pray, God is the one who travels ahead of you and actually begins to, what the Bible says in Isaiah 45, makes the crooked places straight. What does that mean? When God goes ahead of you, every obstacle that was standing in front of you has to move out of your way. Everything the devil sent to withhold your purpose and stop your destiny or stop your calling of God on your life, it is moved out of the way by your righteousness, who is the Lord, who goes out ahead of you and makes the crooked places straight. In fact, I don't have time to get into it, but when the red, when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, the Bible says the waters parted for them not because Moses held up his staff, but if you read Psalm 77 in verse 19, it's because God himself walked out in front of them and walked through the Red Sea, but his footprints were unseen. And when God walked through the Red Sea, the waters had to part, because who's gonna tell God that he cannot come through? What part of his creation is going to deny him access to where he's going? And so God went out in front of them, and the waters had to part. The Bible says, Your righteousness goes before you, and that means every obstacle in front of you has to be moved out of your way. In fact, uh, I'll t- tell you a quick story. My cousin Jessica and her husband Steve, who pastor in Montreal, Quebec, were having an issue because their church had grown to the place where uh, they they really couldn't hold any more of the people that were coming and they needed a different space and uh, the city government basically told them, no, there's you're, we're not going to have any more churches in this city. Uh, it's just the way it is. We're not going to give it to you. And so they began to fast and pray. I believe they went on a 21-day fast and began to pray, asking God to make a way for them. At the end of the 21st day of their fasting and prayer... Uh, two things happened. Number one, corruption was discovered on the city council and all of those corrupt leaders were moved out of their way and there was a front page article about how the Italian church in Montreal was being discriminated against and they got free press about what was happening against them. And when the new leaders were installed, the, the doors were open for them to have a place to continue to expand what, it got, what it, God had called them to do. And supernaturally, by fasting and prayer, God went out ahead of them and opened up the way for them to have supernatural increase and to continue expanding in their purpose and in their call. God will do the same for you when you fast and pray. Number four, the fourth blessing fasting brings, the Bible says the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God will have your back. God will warn you of things to come. He will tell you things about the future that nobody else knows. God this God did this for Brother Hagin. He wrote in one of his books that God woke him up early in the morning and warned him that there was a, a recession coming into the economy of United States of America and he said, but if you'll do what I tell you to do right now, today, the recession will come, but your ministry will never feel one piece of it. And he gave him instructions, and Brother Hagan wrote the instructions down on a pad, went into his office that day, and executed every one of those instructions God gave him. He testified later, The recession did come, and although other ministries felt it, others had to regress, he said, we continued to move forward and never lost ground. In fact, it was during that recession that all of the cash came into their ministry that they needed to build what is now the Rama campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It took place in a recession. They were still blessed because God had his back. He was his rear guard and showed him things to come before they came. And God does that for you and he'll continue to do it for his body when we fast and pray. And then finally, the fifth blessing fasting brings, he said, then you'll call and the Lord will answer you. You will cry and he'll say, here I am. So one of the things that takes place when you fast and pray is that you have expedited answers to your prayers, expedited answers to your prayers. When you take time to fast and pray, fasting is a supernatural supplement to prayer. If it wasn't, if it was just some pointless task, God would never have commanded it. Listen to me, this is so important. Anything God commands has the power to perform. Anything God commands carries the power to perform. I have to say that again. It's so vital that you get this. Fasting is a supernatural transaction that unlocks God's interaction. Let me say this again. Fasting and prayer is a supernatural transaction that unlocks or provokes God's interaction. When we fast and pray, it is a a magnetizing force that draws God's interaction into our lives, without question, without question. I remember I was fasting and praying because I had prayed first, I, I prayed, I said, God, I want you to unlock for us miracles, like we've never seen in our ministry. When we minister to people in these meetings, when we pray for people, when we command sickness to go and things to change, I don't want them leaving the altar the same way they came to the altar. Lord, let supernatural miracles take place. Show your power through our ministry. And I heard a reply from the Lord, and you know what he said to me? It was like a slap in the face spiritually. God said, you've gone as far as you can go at your current level of prayer. Think about that. That my level of prayer was holding me back from greater results in my ministry. And I said, Lord, if that's the case from this day, I'm gonna start a fast right now. I'm gonna fast and pray for 21 days. And I took time to fast and pray. Let me just interject here. Everybody likes to read John 14, 12, when Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do also, and greater works than these because I'm going to be with the Father. We all think that we're gonna do just the works, the miracle works. God wants us to do the works that, that that Jesus did in dedication. In fact, there's a principle in the scripture where Jesus said the disciple is never greater than the master. So if Jesus is our role model and he's our master, we'll never be greater than he is. And if Jesus had to fast and pray, so that the miracle power of God could be evident in his life, we have to fast and pray. Same thing. If we could do what Jesus did without his dedication, we would be greater than Jesus. Think about that. If we could accomplish what Jesus accomplished without fasting and prayer, then we would be greater than Jesus. And we are not greater than Jesus. We are his children and he's the master. And understand that if we're gonna do what he did, we have to live like he lived. And so I began to fast and pray. 21 days of fasting and prayer. God, unlock miracles. The very first meeting I had at the end of that fast was in Sussex, New Brunswick in Canada. And that night, if you've ever heard me tell the story, as I was coming off of the fast, a woman came to church and brought her son, Timothy, who was six years old and had not been able to see out of his right eye for five years. He was completely blind. And when she heard that we were going to be praying for people that needed miracles, she brought him to me immediately. He was going to be the first person to receive prayer. And I laid my hand on his eye and I could feel the compassion of God come on me. I prayed in Jesus name, Lord, I command this eye to come open supernaturally. And you know, when I took my hand off of his eye, his eye was supernaturally opened by the power of God. Those are the kind of results that I was asking God and praying that God would do. But it was going to take something extra. It was going to take dedication to the presence of God. I was going to fast and pray and get into God's presence. And my prayers became expedited. The answers to my prayers were expedited because of my dedication to the kingdom. When you pray, when you fast, the Bible says these blessings come upon your life. I want to encourage every person who's listening to this today I wanna encourage you to pull your phone out when this is done, open the calendar, and schedule times of fasting and prayer in your life. I wanna encourage you to get hungry for the things of God. Matthew five and verse five, the Bible says, blessed are they which do uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew five, six. Understand that our hunger determines our filling. Our hunger determines our filling. Our hunger determines our filling. If we'll get hungry, God will fill us. And fasting and prayer are a sign of supernatural hunger toward God. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For any person that comes to God has to believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we fast and pray, We are seeking him diligently and he will reward us for what we do. That's what's also taught in Matthew chapter six. What you do in secret, God will reward openly. Let me pray for those of you that are listening today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you'd speak to every one of us and give us a hunger and a desire to seek your face and your presence like we never have before. Give us a desire to fast and pray, a desire to read your word. We thank you, Lord, as we do. The manifestations of your power will be seen in our life. We'll be strengthened to do what you've called us to do in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for it and I give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Listen, before I go, let me encourage you, if you'd like to read more uh, about what I read to you about fasting and prayer today that God gave me, you can read it in the book that I wrote entitled Blood on the Door, The Protective Power of Covenant. I have an entire chapter of what we covered today on the five blessings or benefits of fasting and prayer included in that book, Blood on the Door. If you don't have it, you can get it at shop.miracleword.com. That's shop.miracleword.com. Or if you'd like to have the ebook version of Blood on the Door, you can go to iBooks or Amazon Kindle and buy it uh, for either one of those devices today. And I want to say I love you guys. And uh, I appreciate you listening. Once again, share this with somebody. Take a screenshot, put it on social media, tag us in it. Love to see who's enjoying it. And don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.